Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. So welcome on to the Water Women Podcast, Nakia. I am so excited to have you on here. How about you start out by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a bit about who you are. Cool. Thanks for having me, Jill. Um, my name's Nakia Kalein. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a marine biologist and PhD candidate um, that lives in Mozambique. Um, I've been kind of living and working here for almost five and a half years, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I run my own program called Mar Expeditions, which essentially funds my research, um, as a research scientist for the Marine Megafauna Foundation and I'm doing my PhD at Dalhousie University. So yeah, that's also where I did my, yeah, (laughs) did my master's there as well. So, um, huge fan of the school. Um, and yeah, I think I, might have heard in another podcast that you are from the East Coast or you live on the I East am. Coast. I am. I'm from New Brunswick. So okay, I love nice like, connecting with Canadians, but then like East Coast Canadians, I'm like, what? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I love it. So did you grow up on East Coast Canada? Is that kind of where your love of the ocean started? No, I actually grew up close to Ottawa, um, oh. which is very landlocked, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up on a river. So I was always like a water baby, um, lived pretty much in the river (laughs) throughout the summer, obviously not in the winter in Canada. Um, and yeah, I just had this weird fascination with the ocean ever since I was small and I don't know, I cannot pinpoint where it came from. Um, probably since I was about four years old, I just, decided the ocean was my calling, um, even though I had never seen it. So weird. And um, I think it was like documentaries and, you know, reading books and maybe some movies in there that really sparked the interest. And um, yeah, then I decided I wanted to be a marine biologist. So (laughs) I started following that path since, yeah, like four or five years old. I just told everyone that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I decided to actually do it as I got older. <laughs> um, and I actually did my undergrad at Dal as well. So I did my I undergrad so master's. The whole way through it. I know. Right? Yeah. I yeah. It. Huge fan. <laughs> um, it's a fantastic university. <laughs> it really is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I took a lot of trips to the ocean um, when I was younger. My, my family would take me on vacation and stuff. And then I, yeah, just kind of enhanced my, my passion. As it would, yeah. The, I yeah. feel like the ocean, when you kind of fall in, in love with it at such a young age, it's just because, like, it's this huge mystery, right? Like, you can't know everything about it, exactly. but you're like, I want to. I want to know everything. Exactly. Yeah. I still feel like that, too. <laughs> Me, too. Every day. Literally, every time I, like, start reading something about the ocean or watching, like, you know, TikToks or videos about the ocean, I learn something new. Like, there's literally, like, it's a never-ending exactly or plethora of knowledge kind of thing like you can learn something new from it every time you try exactly amazing so what did you you said you did your master's at Dell what was your master's on what was kind of your like path through university Mm because I feel like people when they go into marine biology either have like a one specific like this is what I am doing or where it's such a broad field it's like I don't know what I want to do I want to do everything so which one of those were you it's so funny because it's kind of like 
a mix. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, I was obsessed with with sharks um, since a young classic. age. Yeah, classic. And cetaceans. I was also like whales are pretty cool too. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, sharks were definitely like my thing. Um, and then you know I was doing my undergrad and kind of volunteering on on projects here and there you know usually usually to do with sharks um and when I decided to do my honors um I somehow ended up working with seagrass and um that was more for the professor side of things um so um I don't know did you go to Dell no I didn't. I went to okay. UNB in St. John. So okay, okay, gotcha. but I had a lot of friends that went to Dal. So I am familiar okay. with some of the profs there. Okay. So um, I was in Alison Schmidt's um, ecology class and I kind of approached her about an honors project and she had just finished her PhD and was like, you'll be my first honor student. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, and Heike Lotza was my co-supervisor. And I just like, I don't know, their mentorship and their guidance throughout everything really um, sparked a very big seagrass passion in me. Um, and so I, I, <laughs> I did my honors and my master's with seagrass. And but I always was still like, oh, I want to get into sharks. So I would like volunteer and do side projects with sharks. Um, and, and then I moved to Mozambique and now my primary focus is, is manta rays. So, and sharks, but mainly manta rays. Um, so yeah. I've kind of been all over the place, uh, but I've always known my, my passion was sharks and rays. And I, I just kind of had, yeah, I did, I did some, some seagrass stuff at the beginning of my academic career. And I mean, I love, I love seagrass, huge fan as well, but um, <laughs> I'm happy to be back in the shark and ray world. So what made you pick up and move to Mozambique? Cause I feel like that's a pretty big move to just be like, yep, here I go. Yeah. Um, so I had been to Mozambique actually on a, a volunteer project in, I think it was 2010 or 2011. Um, it's actually where I learned how to dive. And um, I just cool. fell in love with this country. And I went back to finish my um, undergrad and then I continued on to my master's. But I always had this kind of idea in my head that I was, I wanted to open up a research station in a developing country. And Mozambique was like very high on my list because yeah. I had been there and I, loved it and um I love Africa I've been coming to Africa for a long time and I I always wanted to be back in Africa so I was like this is the perfect place and then it was kind of like five ten year plan you know once I finished my master's um eventually kind of maybe start up a, an NGO in a developing country and then this the universe just decided to drop it in my lap and um <laughs> <laughs> there was already a research. So I live in a very small place called Zavara. And um, there okay. was a, there was a research station here already. And the, the founder of the, the station was looking for someone to take over. Um, they were kind of planning on leaving and moving on with their lives. And um, yeah, they had put out a post that said looking for, you know, a marine biologist. They wanted a couple um, and me and my boyfriend were doing, long distance at the time I was in Canada he was in South Africa and we were like how are we ever going to be together and this was just like this golden ticket you know she wanted 
She wanted someone to take over a research station in Mozambique and she wanted a couple. And I was like, this is so perfect. Um, so yeah, I just took a leap of faith and, and it was actually so hectic because I wasn't done my master's yet. <laughs> and she, she wanted me to start at a specific time, which was like four months before I was supposed to finish my master's. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll finish my master's early, which I did. I, I kind of went into like crunch mode and just powered through, finished the master's, defended my thesis the same morning that I moved to Mozambique. It was a very, very oh hectic day. Yeah. So that's you how I ended up here. Woman there. <laughs> it was hectic. Uh, so many emotions. So I just like packed up my life, you know, defended the thesis and, and yeah, like five and a half years later, here I am. <laughs> I'm like gripping the table right now because that is the most chaotic story it was so chaotic. I have ever heard. Like wakes up, defends master's thesis, moves across the globe, same day. <laughs> Who decides to do that? I know, I know. Leave it to me. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like that's one of those days that like you were saying like so many emotions, but it's one of those days where like, nope, emotions have to be put in a box. That's true, actually. Yeah. Get shit done. Exactly. Like um, the wave of emotion afterwards, however, would have been amazing. Yeah. Terrifying a lot. I'm sure like the plane rides were a little bit of what the hell is where, going we, on? <laughs> Exactly. I was on this adrenaline rush from the master's defense and then and then yeah, it was it was hectic. It was very hectic. Oh, um, I, that's amazing. I love that you <laughs> wanted that position so badly that you were like, Masters, we're going to crank you out. Yeah. This is getting done. Now. The thought of doing that right now for me, I'm like, I barely, I don't know if I'm going to finish on my own timeline. So how did you do that? That's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy what the mind oh, can do. Word. I'm in <laughs> shock. Okay. So finish the story. You move over to Mozambique. What happens next? Where do you start? What happens? Okay. So the, the person I was taking over for, um, she kind of said she has two weeks um, to be here with me and kind of hand over everything, do the transfer, teach me everything. I'm like, oh, my word. Okay. Um, so yeah, two weeks, not a lot of time. Yeah, not at all. Uh, and the story is so chaotic that I'm, my heart's like beating so fast right now. <laughs> um, it was very chaotic. But it's so funny because I feel like it just, I don't know, maybe I, I was running off adrenaline, but it just... Everything kind of fell into place eventually. Um, but yeah, so she, she had um, started a, like a volunteer internship program. And uh, so she needed to kind of train me on that, train me on all the research projects, everything. And um, to make it more chaotic, we arrived. <laughs> and the next day we had to pick up two interns. So I we got here at 10 p.m., and then the next day I had to pick up two interns and I was brand spanking new, like, you know, hi, I'm your new director. Um, but I have been here for less than 24 hours. <laughs> so, um, Amazing. yeah, very chaotic. So yeah, we picked up the two new interns and yeah, the, the two week transfer, it went well. She taught me everything and then, um, she headed on her way and I, yeah, I stayed here and, and kind of, um, the agreement that I had with her was to continue on the projects that she started, of course. And then since then I've kind of expanded on those and added new projects and, um, created my own organization called 
Mar expeditions, which, um, like I said, will ultimately support the, the research that I'm doing with, with MMF. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about Mar, but let's talk about what you're doing at the research station. So is this for, you said you, you told me you were working for like the Marine Megafauna Foundation, mm-hmm. but just in like the, like in Zavra? Yeah, so this is a relatively new thing. Um, so I, I mean, Yara had been here since 2009. That's when like the, the Zavra Marine yeah. Lab kind of was founded. And then I came here 2016 and um was kind of doing my own thing until beginning of 2020 and um mmf kind of approached me and we decided to yeah join forces and work together i mean they already work in most of uh, you know southern mozambique um and i you know i'm a huge fan of collaboration and i think conservation needs collaboration so um yeah i i um yeah, I joined joined them, joined their organization and um, decided to kind of keep Mar separate, as I said, just kind of a a way to get funding and income for, for my life here. And um, so the research side of things is now kind of all under, under MMF. I love that. So when you're working, so say you have a day in your life where you're working there, what are you doing? What projects are, are you overseeing? How does your life work with like the interns? Like what what's happening there? How, how chaotic is it? Cause I feel like I'm about to open a can of worms here. It's pretty chaotic. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so a day in the life. Um, first thing is no day is ever the same. It is different every single day. And that's, um, I mean, mainly just, you know, field work, ecology, that sort of thing, but also, um, Zavra is very unpredictable. It's very, um, wild, uh, and you never know what you're going to get essentially. So I would say a typical day is wake up. Well, I wake up super early. I'm like a 5am just naturally wake up with the, the sunrise. Cannot relate, but okay. <laughs> um, and then I will try and get like a little bit of work done. So emails and stuff. And then um, we usually meet for diving at around 7, 7.30. And I usually have like an objective for the day. So depending on the conditions, you know, which dive site we're going to dive, um, where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And then we go... To the dive sites um and it can be either i mean if it's manta season it'll be you know manta ray photo id um predatory fish surveys nudibranch surveys um beta remote underwater videos um like kind of a whole range of of different projects that i have on the go um my main focus as i said is the mantas so that's if the mantas are here that's kind of like my primary focus yeah um cool yeah and then we come back we do all our data entry and the day's like gone like today i i almost missed this call because i was giving a, a lecture and i was just like oh my gosh it's four o'clock <laughs> so the di- the time just flies okay we know how chaotic this call was you know <laughs> the chaos of the call really fits in with <laughs> your whole theme like this That's might be titled <laughs> the most chaotic podcast ever because I think in turn like I've had a lot of chaotic podcasts but I think this takes the cake oh so cool that's impressive <laughs> I feel I don't know how I feel about that 
The fact that we just like both almost missed the call though, just due to our chaotic lives, is really amazing. I really love that for us. It's true. I love that. So let's dive into Mar because I feel like that is going to take a chunk of time to talk about. Mm -hmm. So what is Mar? How did it start? Where did the idea come from? Tell us everything. Cool. Um, Yeah. So as I said, the the research station was already here and um, Yara had kind of you know, develop this internship program. And to be honest, the, the, the reason Mars started was because um, I needed to have my own organization in order to get my residency here. So I wanted to take over the, you know, the work that Yara had done, but I also needed residency. And Mozambique is just very Let's word, use the word chaotic because that's the theme. It's a very chaotic country um, where nothing is easy. And I mean, it was definitely not easy for me to get my residency, but I have it. And um, so Mar was kind of like, okay, I want to start my own organization. How do I see this going? Um, you know, I want to run an internship where I can... And not, I mean, I've kind of expanded outside of the internship. It's more like expeditions and stuff now where, you know, I can teach people um, the chaoticness of living and working here, uh, which, you know, people realize very quickly. It's, it's not, it's very different than, than I think most of the other places in the world. (laughs) And yeah, so I just like, you know, aspiring scientists, um, avid divers, conservationists, people that are just passionate about the ocean. Um, I wanted to teach them the beauties of Mozambique, um, the vulnerabilities of Mozambique and, you know, the, the importance of these types of expeditions for conservation and for, for research. And um, yeah, it's just kind of become my, my little baby that um, I, I absolutely love. I love teaching people. I love, um, I love watching them see their first manta or see their first whale. And it's, yeah, it's really special. And yeah, so essentially I run these expeditions and they get to learn all about my research and contribute in any way that they can. Cool. That is so amazing. It really is like pure magic to see someone experience part of the ocean for the first time. Like mm-hmm. seeing people see a specific animal for the fir- first time and they just like can't find words or there's just, there's no words. And it's just yeah. like complete awe. It's just or all the awesome. squeals. <laughs> yes, the squeals, the screams. I will say some of the screams do scare me sometimes because I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? Like, yeah. I love, very chaotic, of course, you know, it has mm-hmm. to be. Has to be. I love it. So why do you think these expeditions are so important when it comes to conservation? What do you think the benefit of them is? Um, Well, I can definitely speak for myself and um, the work that we're doing here. So obviously I'm a really, really remote part of the world. And, you know, even MMF, they're not the the biggest organization and funding is extremely competitive and it's difficult to, to access and, and, um yeah I think these expeditions really and I I think people that come here realize how important they're them just being here is for the conservation side of things because without them I would not be able to launch the boat I would not be able to pay the rent of the research center you know like all these things that allows me to do the work here um 
and where I am, like there's only one dive center, you know, it's, it's really small and remote. So without them coming, there's barely any tourism as well. So without them coming here to, to dive with me, I don't have the funds to actually get out there and do my mantis surveys or, you know, actually get an idea of what's going on in this bay. So um, for me, it's extremely impactful. Like these people do hundred percent fund the research that I do. Um, And I think, I think that's the case for a lot of places around the world as well. Sorry. Um, So yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's, I've seen very controversial discussions about, you know, paying to do things in conservation and, um, you know, I'm not asking people to, to have a master's degree to be here. I'm asking anyone that just cares about the ocean to, that wants to make an impact to come and, and join me. And it, I mean, they get to come here and dive with mantas. And, you know, this year we've had like seven whales on scuba that just whales that just come by to say hello like where else do you get that you know it's so it's so special and and so they're you know they're getting an educational expedition but also like getting to do some of like the greatest diving ever I love that that is I'm so jealous of the whale thing like that's all I'm thinking about right now (laughs) sorry I figured you would be (laughs) I love that no I think conservation like there definitely is two sides to every coin. And I think that marine science itself is definitely a pay to play game, but I think that that's an overarching thing that's not going to be fixed overnight and definitely can take steps Mm. to be like corrected. But at the end of the day, everyone needs funding. Everyone needs some sort of Mm. thing. And it's not like you're forcing people to come with you. Like you're not holding a gun to them being like, pay me to come dive with mantas. Like it's, yeah. For those that want to and those that can kind of exactly thing. exactly and it's funding research like amazing mm-hmm. and I feel like there's also the other side of the coin of like these people go diving with you they learn something new and they're like oh my word I love the ocean exactly. this is the best thing and I feel like it just kind of teaches them about conservation in a hands-on way that really is there's nothing else like it like that yeah it's very unique yeah is what makes or breaks you sometimes like mm-hmm. I remember sitting through school sometimes being like do I like marine science like am I just here because I have to be like what and then we get into the lab or we'd be out in the field and like doing like the dirty work the hands-on I was like oh yeah I really do that, like this, is this exactly yeah the field it work really definitely <laughs> makes it you, makes you it can worth hear it. about things you can read about things but until you're like hands-on at least for myself until yeah. your hands on doing the work, it's not it's not the same. It doesn't have the same impact as like exactly. hearing hearing yeah. about the stuff. I agree. I love it. So what has been some of your favorite moments in Mozambique? Because I feel like you've had some like incredible dive moments with the mantas and the whales and stuff. Do you have a like standout moment that's like best day ever kind of thing? Ooh, I have a lot I I love diving so much. And I think, you know, diving for six years straight here in Zavra it's like my little my little bay my little piece of paradise um and you start to really get to know you know individual mantas or individual um whatever species it may be and um I think that's like my favorite thing is just getting to know the different personalities of the well the mantas because I'm a manta person but um I would say I have so many wonderful moments but 
Um, one of my favorite dives was, um, it was a manta dive, uh, where, so Zavra is not known for the best visibility. We have very green water. It, I mean, the mantas love it, but it's, it's not like the <laughs> tropics where it's crystal clear blue water. So, but this day it was, it was like stunning visibility and I was off, um, doing some anti IDs on one of the cleaning stations. And I think I was like, I don't know, 20 some mantas were around me and I was just by myself. So I was like having this moment. And <laughs> in that moment, three humpbacks came through and it was just like this vision in my head where, you know, it, it felt like Nat Geo documentaries and things like mantas everywhere, these humpback whales, you know, come through and I'm just like, oh my word, this is my life. You know, this is, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of like an average day here. And, and I just never take it for granted because it's so, so special. And, um, I've had hilarious moments as well with, with manta rays. (laughs) Sorry. The fridge is making some noises. Oh, is that the fridge? (laughs) I don't live here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not the problem <laughs> no that's amazing I can't like you saw my face there I was just in yeah. shock at the fact <laughs> that you experience that every day that's amazing yeah yeah and yeah no it's I mean every day is like, like I said different and there's always there's always a funny story to tell I've been I've been hugged by a manta squished by a manta um <laughs> yeah so it's always something <laughs> never a dull moment so you're looking at manta ray like populations right like the size and different specific populations or like what are you when you're collecting data what are you yeah. collecting data on yeah so um as you know uh and you've had a, a podcast with andrea um marshall so um i'm working with with them so they've essentially you know been collecting data for almost 20 years, um, especially on mantas. And then Zavra, we've kind of, we were doing our own thing. And now I'm trying to figure out um, more about the population as a whole. So if you think about, you know, MMF had, you know, a certain amount of mantas in their database and I have a certain amount of mine, I'm merging said databases and trying to figure out um, one, yes, population size, um, but also kind of movements um, between the different areas. And I'll also be doing some um, satellite telemetry. So looking at these long distance movements and vertical, you know, movements of, of reef mantas and giant mantas actually. Um, so yeah, essentially my, my big question is we've had a huge population or sightings decline um, along this coastline, but Zavra still has a huge manta aggregation. So in our winter months, so like July to November, we still have a lot of mantas coming to visit. And, you know, one of the the questions is, did they move from these other areas to Zavra or, you know, the sightings decline in Tofu, you know, have they just disappeared? Have they come here? Um, That sort of thing. And then where do they go after they leave? They, They essentially come here in these big numbers and then they kind of poof, vanish. And we have no idea where they're going. Um, so that's kind of my, my big questions, um, movement ecology, essentially. And, you know, looking at what, what they're up to. They're so mysterious. Cool. 
cool. That's so cool. I like mantas. I have so many questions about them that I like. They're just such cool animals that they I, are like, amazing. I like, look at them and I'm like, how do you work? Like, how how are you an animal? It's so <laughs> cool. I love them so much. <laughs> so when you're going out, do you find with mantas, like, is it something that you could, if you're just going off a shore dive, could you run into mantas or do you have to go out a little further, like take a boat out to them or does it vary? Like, where do you find them? We find them where we are anyway. Um, they have a, a favorite site um, where they come to clean and socialize. And that's, I mean, from where we launched the boat, it's about six kilometers, um, but it's only about three kilometers from shore. But yeah, too far for a, for a shore entry. But okay. um, I mean, sadly, they are caught in the, the local gill nets as well, which are very close to shore. So they are traveling through the shallow areas. Um, and our cleaning station is also a very shallow site. It's like 12 meters. So um, yeah, but it, it definitely, you need a boat to get out there. And with our conditions, it's... <laughs> It's difficult. You want to be swimming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I um, love it. Yeah, but they're, I mean, they're cruising around kind of everywhere. It's just they aggregate at this one cleaning station, which is really, really interesting. I love that. Okay, big question here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite manta that you see all the time? I have a few. So oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, I have a favorite, so there's two species of manta. Um, my favorite giant manta is Valentina. She's the one that gave me a gave me a little hug. And Aww. she, we haven't seen her actually. She wasn't around last year. So I'm hoping she shows up this year. Um, she's super friendly, super friendly and acquisitive. <sighs> and then my favorite reef manta, I have to say, is Mackenzie. She is such a babe. She literally like, she's just she's got such a big personality she she gets jealous when you're with other mantas and she's like always up in your grill and and she's just hilarious I love her I love, I love her my middle name is Mackenzie so I feel oh I feel amazing a very special relationship with her yes so how do these mantas get their names because these are some very interesting names <laughs> um so I usually let my volunteers or my interns or whatever um, name one while they're here. So they can name kind of whatever they want. And then we also have an Adopt-A-Manta um, program. So for those that want to, you know, pay to Adopt-A-Manta, they can name um, a manta of their choice. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So if someone wanted to come visit you and go on these expeditions, how do they get involved and where can they find you online? Yeah. So we have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now TikTok. I am, I am not um, <laughs> tech savvy, but um, I have some people here that have been helping me with the, the social media side of things. So now we have kind of a lot of these platforms and um, all of them are just Mar expeditions. So um, MAR expeditions and yeah you can find us on all those social media platforms um, and find us on our website um, where you can get more information about our projects and the exp the different expeditions that we have um, and then hopefully come join us I love that okay and for the final final question the final very important question it's my favorite question to ask anyone that comes on this podcast if there was a young woman or a little girl listening and she wanted advice from you, what would be the advice that you would give her? 
Um, to do not let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. Um, I think, you know, people can get in your head and, um, it happened to me. I, you know, I grew up inland, so everyone was like, what do you, marine biology, what even is that? You'll never get a job. You'll never, you know, why would you do that? There's no money in that. And it did affect me. And I veered off my path for a couple of years being like, well, if I don't do that, what am, what am I going to do with my life? And then I had an epiphany and I got back on track and was like, no, this is what I want to do. Um, and I'm so happy I did. And, and everything, I mean, when you're passionate about something, everything just falls into place and yeah. the right connections happen, the right networks. And, you know, you, you literally, you can, you can absolutely live the dream that you envision because this is, this is, I'm living my dream and, um, you know, I've worked hard for it, but I think I just, yeah, never, never veer off your path and just never let anyone tell you what you can't do. I love that advice. Like the yes, you can advice and don't let anyone, like, I feel like all of us, everyone in marine science and everyone in whatever path, but specifically like women in marine science or women in science in general, if you listen to the people that are like, why would you do that? And it doesn't even have to be like the specific, like, no, you can't do that. It's those subtle comments. Like when you tell your extended family, like, yeah, I'm going into marine science, the, oh, you'll never get a job. Exactly. There's no money in that. If you listen to that, then, okay. So then no one's doing any important research. Like, exactly. Can't let that go. Like, just do what you want to do. So yes, you can. I love that advice. Absolutely. (laughs) I think another piece of advice you can pick up from this podcast is embrace the chaos. The chaos can be always good. <laughs> we love the chaos. Love the chaos. <laughs> I love it. So as far as social media is, is there anywhere that people can follow along with you personally on social media to keep up with all your awesome, super cool adventures with the ocean? Yes. Um, I go by nature knack. <laughs> so nature and then NAK, um, which is the first three letters of my name. Thank you for joining me today. It was so fun to get to talk to you. This 30 minutes flew by. Like, flew by. I feel like we've been talking for five minutes, but I here know. we are. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. I love sharing these stories with you, and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.